Welcome to this episode of Tea with Twiggy. It's great to have you here. This is a podcast where I catch up with friends and people that I find fascinating. I check that they're doing okay and ask for tips to help our stay at home more comfortable. This week's guest is Christopher Biggins, an actor and television presenter known for playing the character Lukewarm in the brilliant BBC comedy Porridge. He has endless credits in theatre and television and pantomime, not to mention being crowned King of the Celebrity Jungle. I'm so delighted that Chris is joining me for a cuppa. Thank you for joining me. How are you? It's a pleasure. Well, I'm very good, actually. And, you know, I'm rather enjoying this lockdown. I think, I think because I go out all the time, I'm such a social bird, that it's wonderful to stay at home. I mean, we get on so well, Neil and I, and uh, we enjoy what we do. And it's uh, we, I've, one big thing I find is that we go to bed late and we get up late. So what happens is suddenly we get up and we have some breakfast and then we do we say what we're going to do, but we never do it because suddenly it's tea time and we always have sandwiches and a cake. Oh, you terrible thing. I know. I know I'm never <laughs> going to get out of this house. I shall be so big. And then we do various <laughs> other things and then telephone calls and what have you and what have you. And then we do, uh, uh, what's that thing called where you talk to friends online? Uh, Zoom. We do Zoom. Oh, yeah. And then we have a bit of dinner and we always have a cocktail. I have a Campari and uh, tonic and Neil has a, a gin and tonic. Then we have a bottle of wine, have dinner, and suddenly it's time to go to, to bed. And all the things <laughs> we're going to do, we haven't done. It's, it's do bizarre. you get dressed for dinner? No, In, don't be you're, you're a DJ. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very sad. <laughs> but I need to know what tea you're drinking because... This is tea with Twiggy. So I know. Well, I love tea time. Tea time is one of my favourites. And, of course, I've just told you we always have sandwiches now and a, a, a cake or a, a hot crust bun or, or a biscuit. Mm. And my tea is Earl Grey, always Earl Grey. Black, no lemon, just plain Earl Grey. With And, and we've got – I tell you what, our life changed uh, several years ago when we got one of those hot taps. Have you got a hot tap? No, what's a hot tap? Well, you don't need a kettle anymore. You just, oh. it's a tap that produces boiling hot water and ice cold water and ice cold fizzy water. What? I mean, it's incredible. So if you want a cup of tea, you don't have to go and get the pot. You don't have to go, and, well, you could get it a pot, but you don't have to, it, it take, you just put the, whatever container you have under the tap, press the button and out comes this absolutely boiling water. And is it just one tap that does all three with different buttons? one tap that does all three. It's a miracle, an absolute miracle. Oh, I'm going to get one. That's oh, brilliant. It's one, it's, we've got the Zip one, Z-I-P, and I think there's a Q-Quoga or something, Q-U-O-O-R-K, another make there is. That's but the br- well, they're going to love off. you, Christopher. They'll probably <laughs> sell a few thousand. <laughs> But honestly, it's changed my life, and it really is a, a wonderful thing to have. It's marvelous, especially having a fizzy, nice fizzy cold water. Well, I, I've got a fennel tea today. Fennel, I lo- yeah. I mean, I like all different teas, but yes. I've got fennel today. Do you drink a breakfast? You know, a, a, a builder's tea. Yeah, for breakfast. Yes. Well, actually, I do English breakfast and Earl Grey mixed. 
Oh, do you? Oh, that's, I might try that. Oh, it's do lovely. You, do you use the real uh, tea or do you do, do you do tea bags? It depends. Well, at the moment, I've got all the time in the world. So I've got I've got one of those teapots that's got a strainer inside. Oh, and you yeah, put, we've got one of those. Yeah, yeah, so I do one big scoop of Earl Grey, one big scoop of English Breck. Yeah. Uh, and it is nicer than tea bags, actually. But if I'm in normal times, if I'm in a rush, I just do tea bags. Yeah. We all, I always have coffee first thing in the morning. And uh, we've got a, a fantastic coffee machine where we have, we, you put coffee beans in the back yeah. of the coffee machine and water in another compartment at the back. And then you can press your, you can press a button for ordinary black coffee or cappuccino or latte, any various coffees you want. You've got so many machines in your kitchen. Oh, I love a gadget. Well, I, my favorite thing in my kitchen is a tea cozy that is printed with a crown on and then it says underneath where there is tea there is hope oh that is very nice i don't know whether i call that a gadget i think that's a sort of symbol it is yes it is but it it's, just it's always nice. makes me smile in the morning yeah. well anyway so i you've got the idea of the coffee machine we always go to do you know the monmouth coffee uh, house no it does the most wonderful coffee. And we drink decaffeinated coffee beans, oh. which, are, which are decaffeinated by spring water. And oh. then I defy anybody to tell me any difference to the ordinary Yeah, I, I can water. drink decaf. I sometimes have a decaf cappuccino. Yeah, that, but, they're um, very nice. Anyway, we should get on to other subjects we should. rather than tea and coffee. Now, you were born in Lancashire. I Which was, I I'm, never realised, because my dad I'm, was born in Bolton. Oh, really? Well, I was born in Oldham. I know. Where my father's parents came from. And uh, my mother, who was a Hampshire hog, she was from uh, Southampton. Oh, OK. And so she lived down there. So she came up and we uh, had me in, in Oldham. And I was a very poorly child. I had pneumonia. Oh my and goodness. I nearly died. So uh, it was all terrible. My mother absolutely hated Oldham. She hated it. She thought it was the most awful place. So she packed us all up, uh, all the furniture, me, in, and I was. she wrapped me in cotton wool. And still to this day, <laughs> I have an aversion to cotton wool. I can't bear the touch of it. Oh, wow. And we came down to Salisbury. Uh, where we set up home, and I, that was my my whole of my hometown. Oh, well, that's very... lo- well, you're very lucky because Salisbury is one of the most beautiful cities in England. I think. Oh, it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. I was very, you were you're right. I was very lucky, and of course, the nice thing about it was that I, I still have. I'm still proud of the fact that I was born in Oldham, and I've got lots of the affiliations with Oldham with charities up there, and I've just done something for Oldham Council to oh. tell them to stay inside. So it's it's great. I'm very proud. Yeah, of I feel a great affair because I absolutely adored my dad, and he yeah. was from Bolton, and so I I always think he was the most sensible, lovely man, and I always think I got my kind of steady headedness from my dad. You know, he's very salt of the earth, feet on the ground. He was brilliant. And where was your mother from? My mum was from, I think she was born in Greenwich. All right. So, you're, so and, and she, she was a London. And she, I mean, why she married my dad? Because <laughs> she hated anything north of Watford. Well, same with my mum. I mean, I, bizarre. I think the war, you know, uh, yeah. was it during the war? Well, uh, my, hold on. No, they met before the war. They she was actually, she was actually engaged to somebody else. 
And she Ooh. met my dad at a dance. Hussy. I know. We always <laughs> used to say, oh, mother. <laughs> and then she fell in love with Norman, my dad, my lovely, oh. lovely dad. And I was the last of three girls. Three girls? Yeah, we're all seven years apart. So we, rec- we reckon they only got together every seven years. Well, I can, I can beat that, Twiggy, because I was an only child uh, oh. until I was 18 years old. <gasps> and my mother suddenly said, I was leaving home to go to drama school. And my mother said to me, oh, by the way, she said, I'm pregnant. And I said, don't be so stupid. <laughs> I mean, the thought of one parent still doing it was appalling. But I was a member of the Salisbury <laughs> Repertory Company. And in the well, there was an actor called Robin Ellis in the oh, company yeah. who, who played uh, Ross Poldar. Yeah, Poldar. And uh, he gave a party and invited my parents to the party. They got a bit squiffy and went back and did it. <laughs> and so I've, I've got a brother, a brother who's 18 years younger who is divine. I love him to death, but he's oh. not like a brother. He's like a friend. Oh, it's how wa- that's a wonderful story. That's <laughs> incredible. So your first intro into theatre was the Salisbury Playhouse, was it? It was the Salisbury Playhouse, which, was, of course, was, uh, it was, I was so lucky to be living in Salisbury. And then we had this wonderful theatre and I remember when I left school at 16 and a half, I went to the theatre and I, I asked to speak to the manager. And it was a man called Reggie Solberg, who was a brilliant, brilliant uh, man uh, running the theatre. And I said, can I have a job? And he said, well, you can come for two weeks. <laughs> and I went for two weeks to do a, a play and I stayed two years. Oh, and I was a student ASM on two pounds a week. The second year, I went up to £8 a week as a stage manager, and then I finished up on £16 a week. So it was a great training ground before I went to Bristol. Absolutely. Oh, you then went on to Bristol? Yeah, Bristol, yeah. So this is in the days of the theatre rep? Oh, absolutely. It was it was two weekly rep, not one weekly, but two weekly. And there were wonderful actors. There was Robert Ellis, who I've just talked to you about. <laughs> there was uh, Stephanie Cole. Oh, yeah. Who is a superb actress and, and great uh, influence on my life. Uh, Vivian Heilbronn, Jonathan Cecil. They were wonderful, wonderful actors. But, you know, really, Lee, Lee my husband, who you know very well, yes. he always said it was the best training ground for young actors because you were playing different parts every week or every other week. You were playing younger parts, older parts. And he said it was, it was the best training in the world. Yeah, no, it was it was it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it really was wonderful. And of course, you don't get that now. There's I no know. training now. I know. When Lee's son came out of drama school, Lee said, write to all the reps. This was about fifteen years ago. And he said, Dad, there's like three left. I know. I know. It's, it's, really it's sad. terribly tragic because it was a wonderful breeding ground for young actors. Mm. It was fantastic. and that, But at drama school was even better. I mean, I loved drama school. Drama school was the first time I mixed with my own age group. And we had a, a wonderful group of actors. And there was one actor who was considered not to be really a great actor. He was a lovely man. And he, um, there was a girl who was going to be a star, Julie Hallam. She was fantastic. And the two of them uh, had a romance mm-hmm. and they both decided to get married. So it was fantastic. We were all young and we all were excited about this marriage. And they got married and I, I was the best man. 
And uh, I went uh, on their honeymoon in the back of a Citroen 2TV <laughs> to Spain. And it's of no, uh, of no surprise to any of us that a year later they separated. That is hysterical. <laughs> and the actor was Jeremy Irons. Oh, that's so funny. Who went on, of course, to, having me said, you know, he was an ordinary actor, great, but went on to win Oscars. I mean, exactly. it's extraordinary. That's, I never knew. I mean, I know we both know Jeremy really well and lovely Sinead. Yeah. I never knew that story. That's and amazing. I introduced him to Sinead, funny oh, enough. Oh, did you? Yeah, because we, I was doing a play called London Assurance uh-huh. and Judy Dench was playing the lead and she then Sinead took over from Judy Dench and our theatre in the West End was opposite Godspell, which Jeremy Allen was in, of course. That's right, with David Essex. With David Essex, who you know really well. Very yeah. well. Well, I haven't seen him for a long time, but I knew him very, very well. That's amazing. It's very small circle, isn't it? It is. It is. It's fantastic, actually. You look back on it all. I mean, you know, it was, but it was a great, a a great uh, start for me. I mean, it was wonderful. And then, didn't you go on to to do Shakespeare? And you know, was that that the RSC? I went to, I spent a year with the RSC and uh-huh. it was very funny because um, I was, I was a, a, you know, a lighthearted actor. I was a comedian. I was, you know, funny. And there were lots of people in drama school with me, like Tim Piggott Smith, who has oh. became a very good friend. And it's oh. tragic that he died. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I was the first person to, he was desperate to get in the RSC. I mean, desperate. And they asked me to join the RSC and, they people were furious. They couldn't believe that I'd been asked to go. And I was asked to go because of a play called London Assurance, where I played the part of Jenks, which was a non-speaking part. But he had three entrances and each entrance, each ex- exit, he got a round of applause. I mean, it was the most wonderful part ever. How and uh, my dream part. And it was with Judy Dench. Donald Sindon, Elizabeth Spriggs. I mean, the whole company, Barry Ingham. It was the most fantastic time ever. And it's so beautiful. I mean, I've never done that with the RSE, but Lee worked at the RSE, so I used to go up and visit. And it's so lovely to be in Stratford and the theatre. And what's that great pub there that everyone goes to? There's the big... The pub that all the actors. Oh yes, to. opposite the stage door. because yeah. we didn't go to Stratford. We went to the Aldwych oh, in okay. London. We, that, okay. we I did a London season there, and in fact, uh, Judy Dench got married to Michael Williams, and we oh. were doing Twelfth Night. And the day she came into the theatre, uh, a group of us had put all little uh, animals. Uh, cutouts of animals, pictures, all the way from the stage door down to her dressing room, travelling down, and then decorated her dressing room. And that night when she did the curtain call of the second show of uh, Twelfth Night, we threw confetti over her as she came down oh. the uh, for her curtain call. And the whole audience, I mean, went wild. They stood and they stamped and it was fantastic and really wonderful. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. They were were great days. They really were great days. And then you went on to... I did some television stuff. I mean, I did... I was very lucky. I got uh, lukewarm in uh, Porridge. Oh, in Porridge. Brilliant. The the cook. Um, And and that was great. And Ronnie Barker gave... uh, There were about eight of us who were regulars. And after the first season, he gave us a silver tankard with Slade Prison 1974 and our names. (laughs) 
<laughs> so my name was lukewarm, as I've just told you, and I got an initial. So it's, it reads, it reads, Slade Prison, 1974, lukewarm P. <laughs> <laughs> and I've still got it to this day. I mean, it is fantastic. Well, that's one of the greatest comedies ever on telly, I think. I agree, you? I agree. Did, did you know Ronnie Barker? Uh, we met, but I can't say I knew him. Was he amazing? He was great. I tell you what was great about him, and I always say this: he was not he was not a comedian. He was a a comedy actor. Yeah. And by that, I meant that he if, if he was so generous, and if he felt one of Dick Clement's or Ian Lafrenet's lines was better said by me or another character, he would give it because he saw the whole picture. Fantastic. You know, I mean, he yeah. was he was absolutely brilliant. Really, really clever. Well, I know Ian Lafrenet really well, and he's a lovely man. Oh, lovely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think, I'm glad you said it because I think it is one of the great comedy series oh, ever. Oh, I really, I think, you know, Porridge and Steptoe and Son. Yes, all wonderful, all wonderful. Now, and nowadays, there doesn't seem to be any comedy, you know. you know, There is, obviously, there is comedy, but not as good as it was in those well, it's, days. it's just different, isn't it? It is different. Yeah, is different. but they, they were the golden years, I think, of TV comedy. They were, they were. And it was wonderful. We had such fun doing it. And of course, none of us knew it would be running, uh, you know, f- what was it, 1974? Where are we now? 30, 50, Long 45 time. years yeah, or something. Later. And still. And it, it still holds up. I know, I know. It, that it doesn't date at all. Yeah. And poor Richard Be- Beckinsale, which was... The oh, tragedy, Richard was uh, the most. I mean, if Richard had lived, he would have been an absolute huge, huge star. I know. Both in this country and in America. I mean, Terrible he was tragedy. just wonderful. I was doing a film uh, uh, directed by uh, Derek Jarman called The Tempest, based on Shakespeare's Tempest. And we were filming in Northumberland. And we were staying in a hotel and I was right at the top of the hotel. There was no lift. And I slept in one morning and there was a knock on the door and it was the manager of the hotel saying, oh, Mr. Biggins, the Sun newspaper are on the phone for you. And I thought, oh, my God, what have I done now? <laughs> so I went, put my dressing gown on, went down to the bottom of the, of the hotel, and it was the Sun telling me that Richard Beckinsale had died. What was my comment? And I was so shocked. Uh, it was just unbelievable. I mean, because he was such a nice... Not only was he a nice man, but he was a wonderful actor, he too. He was a wonderful actor. Wonderful. Really, really, really sad. So um, what got you into panto? Because when I I did a panto that Lee directed about 12 years ago, um, I was the good fairy in Jack and the Beanstalk. We did it in Brighton. If you remember, Lee called you because he said to him, I'm going to call Chris Biggins because he said, if there's anything you want to know about panto christopher biggins is the man or if, if what he doesn't know about it's not worth knowing <laughs> oh that's really sweet well I, I i love pantomime and i when i was first asked to do it which was about 40 uh, 44 years ago i think and i was about 27 years old and they asked me to play pantomime at darlington civic theater and to be honest with you, Twiggy, I was insulted because every pantomime dame I'd ever seen was in their hundreds, it seemed, or 80. <laughs> they were old men. 
dressed up in frocks. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do it. And also, uh, at that particular time, I thought, no, it's uh, it's beneath me. I don't want to go and do pantomime because I'm yeah, an actor. Yeah, there was a bit of a stigma about there it, wasn't there? was very there? much a stigma, which, which gladly doesn't exist anymore. But anyway, yeah. so I kept turning it down. And I was asked by Dougie Squires and, and um, Peter Todd, who ran the theatre, and a wonderful producer called Jamie Phillips. They kept asking me and asking me, and I said, no. Bearing in mind, this was 44 years ago. And they suddenly said, and and I, they said, don't you want to know how much we're going to pay you? So I said, well, not really. I don't want to do it. And they said, well, it's a thousand pounds a week. Which well, then was a I single. stopped in my, I mean, I couldn't believe it. Because <laughs> 44 years ago, a thousand pounds, a lot of money. The seats were one and six. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was extraordinary. So I thought, well, I better do it. So I did it. And of course, I loved it. And uh, the money's not bad. <laughs> oh, I say, I, I think it's still very good, isn't it? Well, I mean, some people, uh, some big pantomime stars get, get a lot 40, of money. pounds a week. Yeah, I know. Oh, my goodness. That yeah, is a lot unbelievable. Of money. Yeah. And, but when I first, I, I've done it twice. I did it in 19... 19- um, oh God! It must have been about seventy three, seventy four, and I was Cinderella. Yes, of course. It was my first time on stage. Oh my goodness! And um, I said to the director, "I'm going to be so nervous. Is there any way you can have me on the stage when the curtain goes up? Because yeah. I don't think I'll be able to walk. I think my walk knees, up. my knees will go." <clears throat> so. Um, he had, when the curtain came up, I was sitting asleep on my broomstick. <laughs> but my ugly sisters were Roy Kinnear oh. and Hugh Paddock. <coughs> my goodness. And they Unbelievable. were. Unbelievable. Which theatre was that? Uh, St. James's in London. Oh, my goodness. And every performance, Roy Kinnear, it was his quest to make me laugh. Yeah. And he would get it every night. He'd come out with different hairstyles, and oh, he was absolutely brilliant. I loved and adored him. No, he I knew so... he was—he was a wonderful. Another sad loss yeah, to our business. Absolutely, his son's done so well. Oh, Rory, yeah, he's—he's he's a really good actor. Yeah, really good actor. And I met when we did the panto. I don't think Rory was born then. But I, afterwards, I remember him as a little boy. And he actually went to drama school with Lee's son, my step's son. So really? we, I got to reconnect with Rory and talk about his dad, his lovely yeah. dad. And his really lovely mum, too. I mean, Car- Carmel McSherry, wasn't it, Carmel? Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't know her very well. Oh, I think oh, I met her. She was, she I was think I met too. her. Uh, I mean, she's still with us. I mean, you know. But oh, he's- yeah. He's done a, a wonderful job, though, Rory. I mean, he's he's done so many wonderful uh, performances. He has, he has. Really good. But it it is interesting because you said that you know you turned down Panto at first because it was kind of thought not a thing to do. When do you think that that perception changed? Well, I think you know actors were uh, are. are very snobby on the whole. Most actors <laughs> are very snobby and they, they just can't, they don't see the fact that going, because what I always say about pantomime is that we are producing the audience of the future because if yeah. people go to see a pantomime and pantomimes sell out, you know, do fantastic business, more business than any other show in the year. That's right. So if they've enjoyed the pantomime, not only will they come back to next year's pantomime, but they'll also 
go to other things in between so that we are a breeding ground for theater. And I think the turnaround came when people like I, I had Simon Callow uh, do pantomime with me, the great Shakespearean actor. Yeah, Richmond. wonderful actor. And also the same time, um, Ian McKellen did pantomime with the old Vic. That's right. And I think that then suddenly people legitimized thought, oh, it, didn't exactly, it? Yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. And you direct them as well, don't you? I did. I used to, but now it's I'm too old now to do all of that. I want someone no, else you're not. Know. Well, you know, it's a bit. It's quite. <laughs> also, there comes a point where you forget about your own performance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and then suddenly yeah. you get up there and you think, oh, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, actually. And actually, they are. I mean. I I loved it, but it is hard slog because you do two and sometimes uh, three a day, don't you? I would never do Ooh. three. I would never do three. But I've, I I uh, two a day. Yes, we do two a day every day. So it's twelve performances a week. Yeah, it's and a it killer. is exhausting. I also now I have uh, over the years I've got a phobia about my costumes. I don't have them in the dressing room. Why? So what I do, I find them. I, I find it oppressive to have a whole rail. And of course, my costumes, I do 14, 16 costume changes. Per oh my God. So there are hundreds of them. They're so big. They're like pieces of scenery. So what happens is I, I get dressed. I put my tights on, my fishnets and my body stocking. And I go <laughs> up to the, to the stage. And on the stage, there's a closed off area, which is my changing room. Uh-huh. Quick change room, and we do all the changes there, and that that is something that I really like doing. I mean, I, you know, if if it's big enough to do it, I do. That's the way I do it. That's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> now you've also been doing something recently to cheer the nation up. Tell us about that. Your vid- video of you laughing. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> well, you have got the best laugh. Well, when I was at drama school, uh, there was a girl in the second year. I was in my first year, in the second year. And he, he, was, he said to me, Biggins, you're going to make a million from your laugh one day. So I thought, well, I, you know, I haven't actually. Well, I think I probably have actually, but not, not through my laugh. But when the lockdown happened, I did think, I know what I can do. So I did go on and do this laugh, which, you know, lasts about 30 seconds or something. And it really is, it, it, is, it, it is infectious. And it's, it's, I've had a lot of people say nice things about it. So that's yeah. been good. I never heard it, but apparently years ago, Terry Wogan, because Lee told me when I first met him, Terry Wogan had my laugh on a loop. And in the morning, he'd press it and... <laughs> Just to cheer people up. <laughs> yeah, we so, should, isn't we it should nice? do a duet laughing video. Why did we do the laughing policeman? But doing <laughs> that lyrics? was my first choice when I did Desert Island Discs. Yeah, was I, it? Lo- oh, I love that it's as such a, a, a little girl. I know a fat policeman who comes along our way. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> what was the first record you ever bought? Oh my god! Out of my own money, I can't yes. remember. I the first record I ever had, which my mum and dad bought me, was um, Diana by Paul Anker. I think it was by, wasn't it? Oh right, I think so. Mine was Max Bygrave singing, "You're a pink toothbrush, I'm a blue toothbrush." Shall we? <laughs> May I marry you in haste? <laughs> 
When we both use the same toothpaste. The same toothpaste. Brilliant, I know. <laughs> My granddaughter loves that song, actually. It is brilliant. Uh, that never dates. <laughs> never date, never date, never date. So we're going through very, very scary, horrible times at the moment. Have you got any tips for people? Well, I think that it, it is scary times. Mm. And I, I, I do think uh, we, and I, certainly uh, in my lifetime, and I'm sure you can say the same thing, we've never seen anything like this. Nothing, no. I mean, you know, it's extraordinary that we are in our own little homes, uh, doing our own little things. Uh, the one thing that worries me and upsets me is the, the number of people that I know, and there must be even more, who are living on their own. Yeah, I agree and, with you. I think that must be terrible because it, it, at least, you know, we can laugh and, and, and have a good time together if we, we, as, a, as a couple. Or yeah, well, I'm want. the same. I mean, I miss my kids and my grandkids desperately, but at least Lee and I have got each other. Exactly, exactly. And I know we had a, uh, we have a live in Hackney on the edge of Victoria Park. Oh, yeah. And it was closed um, right. because people were misusing it. And the day before, we were having a walk around Victoria Park and we met this lovely black couple uh, with their two gorgeous children. And I said, how are you getting on? She said, we're getting on fine. She said, but the trouble is, we, we, we there, there's four of us in a one-bedroomed apartment. <gasps> oh, my goodness. And no outside space. And yeah. it was just terrible, you know. And I yeah. thought, that's that's why these parks are there for people like that and the fact that they closed the park because people were misusing it I really know. annoyed me i know i agree poor couple with their two children I well that's exactly what lee and i said that you know we're very fortunate i mean we are in london yes we live in a very big flat and we've got a garden square we can use you exactly. know and also the fact that we can move from one room to the other. Exactly. exactly. I think the other thing which is saving me, and I, I was an addict before this shutdown, but now I'm even more of an addict, is television. I mean, that's mm. I just adore television. Yeah, me too. And the things that, you know, um, I, I suddenly, I don't know what happened to me in 1999, <laughs> but I, I missed Sopranos. So oh, that's I, what my daughter's been re-watching. Oh. God. I've it, never seen it. I've oh, got to, well, you've got to watch it. I will. It is, because what is so fascinating, it is really the uh, t rough end of America and the, uh, um, oh dear. The anyway, mafia. Mafia, thank you, brother. Yeah. The mafia. But what is so interesting about it, so they, they do terrible things to other people and themselves and what have you. So the gore and the blood is awful. <laughs> but then he sits for half the show and talking to a psychiatrist. And it is wonderful. It is. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, it is on my list. Oh, no, I really recommend that. Um, uh, my friend Joe Collins has been watching Dynasty all over again and loving oh, has it. She? <laughs> yes. <That's> brilliant. <laughs> I, I've, I've got out my knitting again. No, I'm, really. I, lo I love knitting. Yeah. What have you knitted? I'm knit. I'm in the middle of a little sweater for my new grandson. Oh, lovely. But I'm making it for the next few months because yeah. I can't see him. But <laughs> <laughs> but also, we've been cleaning up and clearing out. You mentioned our tidy bookshelves. That was yeah. Lee. He went berserk the first week and took every book down and we tidied up. And are they all alphabetical now? 
not quite alphabetical, but they are in like there's a fashion section, there's a traveling section, there's a poetry section, oh, they a Shakespearean wonderful. section. Well, we keep saying we're going to do the loft and the garage, but the trouble is at the end of the day, we haven't had time to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the days do whiz by, don't oh, they? Oh, I've never known anything like it. It's suddenly you get up, you have something to eat, it's time to go to bed. It's extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> And do you read? Do you know, I was an avid reader. Uh, and as the years have gone by, the only time I read now, because I think being busy and uh, being occupied, the only time I read now is when I go on the holiday. And oh, really? uh, yes, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking now, I'm surrounded by books, which you can't see in this part of the building. And I, and I love books. But I don't, I haven't been reading at all. I've been watching television, I have to admit. Okay. I mean, I, we, we love uh, Chateau DIY. Do you ever watch that in the <laughs> afternoon? <laughs> yeah. I think it's so, and also the other one I love, Four in a Bed, where they, <laughs> they go and stay in uh, other people's B&Bs, and they're so vile. They are. It, I've seen a couple are. of them. I've been catching up on old ones of Rick Stein in France. Yes, yes. Oh, and it's lovely. Good. It really makes you want to be there. I know. And then he I does know. a couple of recipes and because yeah. I love cooking, so I've been doing that. Yeah, there's, some, there's some very good things on television. They really are. But I do have to have a book going. I, I have to read before. Well, I read somewhere you shouldn't go to bed looking at a screen before you go to sleep. So I, I don't take my iPad or my phone down there. I just get into my book. Have you got a television in your bedroom? We have, but we don't use it very often. We've got 54 inches, which come up on a on a thing, you know, and from a box. Electronically, they go up. Oh, my... Oh, out of the bed. Uh, well, no, not out of the bed, out of a box. I had oh, a box you're, I say you're so posh, Christopher Biggins. I know, Biggins. I know. It's lovely. <laughs> but, I, you know, it, to say you've got 54 inches is quite something, I think. <laughs> Oh, well, I don't dear. think we can top that, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am, I am completely. The other night, uh, we were late up, <laughs> and suddenly uh, I changed channels. I went to Channel Five, and there was Pretty Woman just starting. Oh wow! So we watched, which of course is such a fabulous oh, film. It's a fab. She oh, was so God. brilliant in that. Julia she Roberts. is unbelievable. And when she goes shopping, that sequence of going shopping is just. So I love funny. it when isn't it in Pretty Woman when she she has snails and it. Oh yes, out yes, it there. goes into the waiter's <laughs> hand. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I was thinking, I never thought about it, but of course it must have been based on Cinderella, Pretty Woman. Or Pygmalion. Or Pygmalion, yes. Yeah, I think uh, it was based on... Actually, it, it Pygmalion, was a mod- yes, you're right. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but yes. Yeah, no, it was, but yeah, because so- I, I did Pygmalion on telly back in the early, late, well, late 70s. Yes. And I remember when the film came out thinking, oh, that's like a modern day version. Yeah. But um, but it is a brilliant, brilliant. Who was film. your uh, Professor Higgins? Uh, Robert Powell. Ah, he was brilliant, actually. Yes, very good. You've I been think, marvelous. I think I was the first person to play Eliza with the right accent. You know, usually yes. they had a posh actress learning Cockney. That's right. Although she wasn't really Cockney, she was from North London, which is where I, I'm from. Yeah. 
But know, I had to, I had to um, have voice classes for the posh bit. And of course, in the film, they did it the opposite way. Audrey Hepburn, yeah, had to have it for the Cockney. That's what. Well, most actresses who've done it, they're usually in those days. They were usually because most actresses had very nice speaking voices. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it. It's a great part. Uh, it's great one, part. it's one of the great female roles. Yeah, it really is. Really I'm so really glad is. I got to do is it. Is there still a copy of it? Uh, you can get it on DVD now. They brought it out. Can you? I'm scared. I'd like yeah, to see that. It's, it's, it's a nice... It was done for, I think it was um, Yorkshire Television. Yeah, right, right. Um, and, and Bob is lovely and i'm trying to think who else was in it i mean it's a long time ago my goodness i'm very very young in it (laughs) (laughs) now the other thing i heard about you you love going on cruises is that true we love cruises and i do a lot of uh lecturing and talking on oh yeah and uh, when I won the Jungle, um, which is, I think, about s- 16 years ago now. It's a bit... Was it that long ago? Time flies unbelievably. Oh, I know, it's good. When I won it and we came out, they offered us a cruise um, on the last voyage of the QE2. And oh, we, wow. they flew us to South America. We picked it up. We went oh, from South wow. America to Tahiti, Tonga, <gasps> um, uh, for, uh, uh, the other island where they've got those wonderful sculptures. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. And then we went to New Zealand and then on to Australia. And wow. because it was the last voyage, all everybody came out. When we went into Australia, there are all these little islands and people came out on the islands and they were waving and cheering and there was Aww. it was so exciting. And so I, I do like cruising. I mean, I think that it's a, it, it's a great way to see the world. You unpack once. Once, yeah. And we you we cross around. from... We did London to New York on the yes. QE2. We've done that. Fantastic. We always knew well the Queen Mary. And um, no jet lag. <laughs> no jet lag. It's fantastic. And I love it when you're about to enter New York uh, or a day before you enter New York and they say, and if you look over to the left, that's where Titanic went down. That's right. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I'd rather not know that. <laughs> exactly. No, it's great. And I, I, I think it, it's a wonderful thing to do for us uh, artists, if you know, to do lectures and, and get payment in, in the, in the uh, cruise. But you've got to like people. If you don't like people, forget it, because there is nowhere to run. No, that's, and, that's know, my only slight weird thing about it is that there are a lot of people. But we managed to keep very much to ourselves yeah well without being rude yeah i mean but you it's difficult to do that on a ship you know because you know it's but so you you know it's ideal for me because i love people and i love a good old gossip and a chat and you know and so i i i really uh, enjoy doing them i mean yeah, i did one i they asked me to become the godmother of a ship you know where you right yes christen it yes one of the sea seaborne yachts oh they're wonderful they're very, very upmarket, very, very posh. They're quite small, which I yeah. quite like. I think yeah. they have about six, seven hundred people on. Yeah, that's right. And we went from Venice round the coast, Croatia, Greek islands to Istanbul, and that was fabulous. Yeah, I, I, Absolutely I love Istanbul. Cool. Uh, my problem is I'm not a very good sailor, so I, I, I picked a route that hugged the coast. Right, right. 
No, I mean, you, you know, I'm, once again, I've never been seasick because I've got lots of friends who have boats, smaller boats, you know, but yeah. like really luxurious ones. And uh, I remember I was on, Cameron McIntosh has a boat called Gardenia, which is a gorgeous boat. And uh, we went from London to uh, Boulogne, not Boulogne, Bordeaux, Bordeaux. Oh, yeah. And we we got through the, the it was so, I can't tell you, it was so rough that we had to take everything movable off the off the boat and put it on the ground and it was it was quite terrifying actually no you see that would, would that would put me off for life that's well, my you, fear it, it certainly would it didn't me because i i didn't mind it but it, we had someone on board who was really nearly died because they hated it so much i would be hysterical yeah yeah i mean it is it is quite hysterical making i think you know yeah but it is, it's a lovely way of seeing the world, you know. I mean, and also you see countries from the coast, which you, you never get to see on land. No, I mean, it's true. extraordinary. Really wonderful. So when this is over, yes. will you be going back on a cruise? <laughs> well, <laughs> I feel sorry. I mean, the only thing about this, what we've been going through, is people say, when is it going to end? And nobody knows. I don't nobody think it, even the even the, the, the experts don't know. But I can't see it really ending until they find uh, a vaccine that we yeah, can... Yeah, I agree with you. Now, how long is that going to be to take for millions, billions of people to take? It's going to be a I long, know. long time. So I just think that the problem is that things aren't going to change overnight. No. Like I'm booked to do a pantomime this year in Dartford and I don't think I'm going to be doing it, to be honest with you. Because really? I don't know who wants to sit in a theatre after what we've been through with another 1,100 people yeah. breathing on you, coughing on you, sneezing on you. People will be anxious. Also, I don't think people will have the money for luxuries like that. So I think we're in this for the long term and I think it won't be for another year or 18 months that we're completely yeah, out of it. I agree and that's why it's important to kind of try and get your head around that because you know the other problem I think which is hu as huge as the virus is the mental health aspect oh, of absolutely, it absolutely absolutely and as you were saying people on their own people in tiny places that they can't get out People in you relationships know. where they, you know, people are being beaten up and, and know. you know, I mean, it's just awful. I mean, terrible things. So it's going to take a long time to get over it, but we will. We will get over we it. We will. And I think, you know, I think certainly I'll be doing pantomime in 2021. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, thank you for having tea with me Twigs. virtual I, tea i loved it i loved it and those cakes you serve were gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> oh i yes i'm very good at baking no i'm not i'm not a ba i'm a good cook yeah. but i'm not a baker neil made um uh made chocolate eclairs the other day oh gosh i'm impressed yeah they were very very good delicious i bet they were very good Bit naughty, but yeah, very a bit good. Bit naughty, exactly. I do. We do go for a walk every other day. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been wonderful. Thank you, Twigs. Look after yourself. Yeah, and you. Love to Neil. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining me for a cuppa. It was such fun. I hope everyone listening enjoyed the conversation too. 
I'll be catching up with more of my fabulous friends over the next few weeks, so please tune in for my next episode. If you've enjoyed listening to Tea with Twiggy, please take a moment to give us a lovely five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast so you auto-magically get the next episodes for free. And do tell all your friends and family about it too. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. Bye.